electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Hello, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. This is a Squawk Pod bonus edition. Robin Hood returns, CEO Vlad Tenev. I know how Clorox and Lysol felt at the beginning of the pandemic when they couldn't provide enough hand sanitizer and wipes to shoppers. And these are unprecedented times. The free trading brokerage facing backlash over the decision to limit buying of the heavily shorted stocks popular with a virtual army of Reddit reading retail investors. This has been unprecedented activity concentrated in a few names. And it's it's really the first time that I've seen where social media and financial services have intersected in this way. Just two days after our last interview with Tenev, he returns to make a few things clear about the decision that has everyone talking. We absolutely did not do this at the direction of any market maker or hedge fund or anyone we route to or other market participants. The trading frenzy and the surprising cast. Gamers, hedgies, Barstool Nation, Redditors, and Robinhood. This bonus Squawk Pod begins right after this. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod from CNBC. Today on the podcast, Robin Hood's roller coaster ride and a new interview from the company's CEO trying to slow things down. The popular free brokerage app has experienced unprecedented high volume of trading as, well, Reddit reading retail traders pile into a few highly shorted stocks in a move organized in part on the irreverent Wall Street Bets subreddit. The volume was so overwhelming in companies you've been hearing about, maybe again after a few years, GameStop, AMC, BlackBerry, and Nokia, that Robinhood suspended trading in those stocks on Thursday. Wow. The reaction to this move was swift and surprising. Both Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Senator Ted Cruz found themselves on the same side of an issue, both tweeting that Robin Hood's moves were unacceptable and at the expense of the little guy investor over the hedge funds, feeling the squeeze when stocks they shorted suddenly shot up a thousand percent. In the legend, Robin Hood stole from the rich to give to the poor. So this was a confusing metaphor yesterday for everybody. Robin Hood said it was a risk management decision to protect investors, the markets, and the firm. The company has to deposit money to a clearinghouse based on the volume of trades, and they feared they'd be unable to meet the anticipating deposit requirements. Now, the company's CEO joined our Andrew Ross Sorkin of Squawk Box just earlier this week on the power of retail investors. It is a huge time for retail investors. Check your feed for that conversation, and then take a listen to this one, done just two days later, 
when the company was dealing with the anger of the Robin Hoodies, their typically younger users, and trying to raise money through credit lines to ensure it had enough capital to resume trading on these volatile stocks. Here's Andrew. Vlad Tenev is with us uh, right now, and we appreciate you joining us on a day where there are so many questions. There are, frankly, as you know, a lot of angry customers out there and a lot of questions about what took place and the decisions that you made uh, to limit uh, so many of your customers' ability to buy uh, stocks like uh, GameStop. Questions about whether you have a liquidity problem, whether you're trying to protect them from themselves, uh, whether Citadel uh, did this. Explain what happened today. Thank you for having me on the show again, uh, Andrew. Um, So what happened today was, as you pointed out, we had to make a very difficult decision. It's been uh, it's been a challenging day. We made the decision uh, in the morning to limit the buying of about 13 securities on our platform. So to be clear, uh, customers could still sell uh, those securities if they had positions in them. And they could also trade in the thousands of other securities on our platform. So uh, it was a difficult decision, um, and, uh, and and that's what we had to do as part of normal operations. But explain then, why did you do this? What, did, did the SEC call you and tell you you had to do this? Was there a problem inside the company in terms of liquidity, in terms of the amount of deposits that you had uh, to, to put in, in front to the exchanges? What led to this? Sure. And let me let me explain exactly how this works. Um, oh, first of all, I want to address some of the misinformation that's been out there because there's a lot of it. Um, we absolutely did not do this at the direction of any market maker or hedge fund uh, or anyone we route to or other market participants. Uh, the reason we did it was because uh, Robinhood is a brokerage firm. Uh, we have lots of financial requirements, including SEC net capital requirements and clearinghouse deposits. So that's money that we have to deposit at various clearinghouses. So some of these requirements uh, fluctuate quite a bit based on volatility in the markets, and they can be substantial in the current environment where there's a lot of volatility and a lot of concentrated activity in uh in these names that have been going viral on social media. So we're really in unprecedented times. And in order to protect the firm and protect our customers, um, we had to limit buying in these in these stocks. And to be absolutely clear, sa- again, it wasn't... To- Go ahead. But it, it sounds to me, though, that you're suggesting that there was a liquidity problem uh, inside the firm. And, and my question about that then raises all sorts of new questions about whether there's a systemic issue uh, underneath the system and underneath the company unto itself. No, no, there, there was no li- liquidity problem. And to be clear, this was done preemptively. So we did this proactively uh, and thousands of other securities remain tradable on the platform. Customers that held these positions um, were able to sell them and we're doing what we can to allow uh, buying and to remove these restrictions in the morning. Um, But also, uh, you might have seen Robinhood has been the number one app in the in the app store overall. So we have seen unprecedented uh, interest due to the fact that finance has been culturally relevant in a way that hasn't been before. And these stocks are going viral on social media. And I think it's really interesting to juxtapose against 
some of the other questions that we've been having uh, before this. Of course, Robinhood stands for, for everyday investors. From the very beginning, we have stood for investors opening up access and giving them the ability to trade commission-free in whatever they want. Um, and we've gotten a lot of criticism that you know maybe uh, there should be more restrictions. So it pains us to have had to impose these restrictions, and we're going to do what we can to uh, enable trading in but these stocks as soon as we can. How concerned should customers be, though, about the robustness of the system if, in fact, what ultimately had to happen was you had to shut down access to buying these securities because of the deposits that were required? Well, the, to be clear, this was the system working. Uh, we, we have the ability to restrict buying in symbols uh, for uh, unprecedented market conditions such as this. And to be clear, we didn't shut down the system. We shut down buying for um, these 13 stocks, for these 13 securities, but customers that held positions could still sell and customers still could buy and sell um, the thousands of other securities on the Robinhood platform. But, but when you look at the precipitous fall, for example, of GameStop, do you think that Robinhood bears any responsibility for that? I, I can't comment on, you know, price action of, of securities and uh, probably it would be inappropriate for me to do that. Um, and also, I should note, Robinhood wasn't the only firm to restrict buying in securities. Other brokerages have been restricting the buying and trading of uh, these types of securities all week uh, and even today. Of course, we get um, the lion's share of the attention since uh, we've been the cognitive referent for uh, retail investing in America, but other, other people are dealing with these challenges as well. Dave Portnoy uh, has been online and has said all sorts of uh, relatively nasty things about you and, and, and about Robinhood. Um, one of the things that he has raised is the idea uh, that Citadel uh, pressured you to do this. Is that true? Completely false. Yeah, not, that's complete uh, misinformation. Uh, that did not happen. Uh, hopefully I'm being clear uh, about that. Um, no, nobody pressured us. We didn't do this at the direction of a market maker that we route our orders to or any other financial uh financial market participant. Um, no, this was an internal operational and risk management decision uh, that the firm made so that we could protect the firm and protect our customers. Do you believe, though, that Citadel knew that you were going to have to take these steps and effectively ran in front of it? Uh, I can't really comment on, on I don't think so. Um, that, that seems another one of those misinformation and conspiracy theories. Um, Certainly, we made decisions based on uh, the financial requirements, uh, including SEC net capital obligations and clearinghouse deposits that uh, brokers have to comply with. And Robinhood was not the only broker that restricted buying of these securities. Um, this has been unprecedented activity concentrated in a few names, and it's, it's really uh, the first time that I've seen where social media and financial services have intersected in this way. Have you gotten calls from the SEC? I, I probably can't comment on specific conversations that, that we have had or are having, but our team is in constant communication with 
uh, our regulators and uh, and agencies and uh, working very, very hard to reopen trading in uh, to reopen buying in some of these securities uh, as, as soon as we possibly can. You've talked about the confluence of social media and trading and the brand that is Robinhood lines up very nicely with this Reddit army. Are you supportive of what they're trying to do? Look, we stand with individual investors. Our brand is individual investors um, and our company, the name of the company. Uh, since the very beginning, we've been we've been for individual investors having access to the markets. And that's why we pioneered commission free investing with no account minimums and led the industry to adopt that model. So absolutely. Uh, and I've been saying this on your show day in and day out when I've been here, we believe that the more people have access to the markets, the better off they will be in the long run. And we also support education and giving them the right tools and information so that they can make informed investing decisions. And we've been making a lot of investments there. So what do you tell the customers who look at what happened today and say, you didn't help us, you actually helped them. You helped, this wasn't about helping the little guy, this is about helping the big guy. They're the beneficiaries in this. Well, we, our number one responsibility is, of course, to our customers. I understand that uh, that people might be upset that they were unable to uh, buy these securities on Robinhood today. Um, we'd like to re-enable them as soon as possible, um, as soon as uh, we can allow for it through our operational procedures. And uh, we stand with you. We, from the very beginning, we have been in favor of access and. You know, I know how Clorox and Lysol felt at the beginning of the pandemic when they couldn't provide enough hand sanitizer and, and wipes to, to shoppers. Um, and these are unprecedented times and everyone's trying to do the best they can to navigate them. Um, and, and that is doubly true for Robinhood. What do you make of some of these investors who've taken to Twitter and Reddit and said, they're not doing this to make money. They're doing this to hurt others and they are fine losing money in the process. Well, I'm not exactly sure who that's referring to. Um, uh, if that's referring to Robinhood, we are the number one priority is the stability, the reliability of our platform so that we can serve customers, allow them to sell their securities, allow them to buy their securities. And that's what we're optimizing for. And we want you to have, we want you, our customers to know that uh, the stability and reliability of the platform and your ability to transact um, are things that we're working very, very hard to make as, as robust as possible. Some of these investors are effectively nihilistic. They're, they're, they're publicly saying that as long as they can hurt the hedge funds, that they can hurt the quote unquote system, that that is a win for them. It's a very different thesis than most investors used to approach investing. What do you make of that? I mean, there's a lot of investors out there. Um, this whole phenomenon of these, um, you know, internet stocks uh, has transformed um, transformed in, in the past week, right? Uh, and it has taken uh, this sort of like anti-establishment flavor in some pockets. Um, so, you know, I understand the frustrations that people might have um, with, you know, short selling or these different um, uh, these different firms. Um, we we think that there is a, a bottled up um, 
there, there's a lot of bottled up um, energy because a lot of these customers felt like they were uh, left out of the recovery from the 2008 financial crisis. There was the whole Occupy Wall Street movement um, in the early part of the last decade. So I understand the, the frustrations. And uh, what Robinhood can do is continue to provide access, continue to uphold our mission, make sure we um, offer the best possible service and do right by our customers. How concerned are you that, that some of the folks who are saying, I'm going to stick it to the man, in the end, may be sticking it to themselves? Well, I think that ultimately we're a self-directed platform and we are in favor of access. So we think that customers should have that access. We should also give them the tools and education that they need to be informed market participants. And so we've been investing a lot in our Robinhood Learn portal. Um, and uh, ultimately we don't provide advice. Um, we are a self-directed brokerage platform. And uh, we understand people might want to make investments for various reasons, and uh, we're, we're supportive and we stand with our customers in providing that access. You know, a lot of investors, I don't want to say a lot, some investors look at the idea of an accredited investor, a wealthy investor, the professionals, as having a leg up, that the system is really rigged in their favor. Do you think that's true? Um, I, I do think that, um, you know, there are uh, anytime there's limits to participation, um, you know, that that prevents certain people that um, that might be interested in doing things from from doing them. Uh, I'm not going to say that those limits are unmotivated. There's reasons that these limits were put in place by regulators in the first place. And uh, Robinhood is committed to engaging in that conversation. Uh, we, we believe we have a valuable insight from serving this, this customer base, but I'm also not going to go ahead and blanket say that, you know, regulations are, are uh, not motivated because um, there, there are very, very reasonable motivations for, for some of these things. When your customers and other investors see you pulling on credit lines, as you did today, what should they think? Well, um, let me let me go back to explaining the financial requirements and, and how this plays in. So um, Robinhood has financial requirements, including uh, SEC net capital obligations and clearinghouse deposits. Uh, some of these requirements fluctuate based on volatility in the markets. So basically, with a lot of concentrated activity in, in some of these stocks, uh, we need to deposit more money um, at our clearing houses to allow for that activity to continue. So um, by drawing on our credit lines, which we do all the time as part of normal day-to-day -day operations, we get more capital that we can deposit with the clearing houses and that will allow us to uh, enable ideally more investing with fewer restrictions. We talked to Alexis Ohanian uh, the co-founder of Reddit, who said he believes this is a transformational moment in the world of investing, that we're going to see more and more of this. People gathering online in various chat rooms and other things and potentially uh, creating targets, if you will. Do you agree with that? I mean, it, it certainly has surprised me that uh, this has been happening. I don't think people could have expected the scale to which with which uh, 
social media and finance would would intersect. I think a lot of it has to do with uh, the pandemic as well. People are are at home um, and you know they're we're glued to our devices because we seek connection with the outside world. Um, so you know I I think that um, I think that we're only going to see more individuals interested in investing and more individuals interested in connecting with each other. So it's easy to connect the dots looking backwards. Um, I don't know if anyone has uh, reliable predictions about what the future holds here. What do you expect regulators to do? Um, you know, we're our team, uh, as I'm sure other brokers are as well, has been um, in constant communication with our various regulators and agencies. And um, we're, we're having a conversation and in our conversations, um, in, in principle, uh, what we believe we can do is um, represent the retail investor and the individual investor and make sure that in everything that we do, um, that that customer is, uh, is respected and heard. And uh, we, we absolutely will continue to do that. Do you see this episode as having any impact on a prospective IPO this year? Uh, I, I can't really comment other than to say that Robinhood is well capitalized and uh, we, we have a great growth opportunity ahead of us. Thank you so very, very much for joining us. Uh, we appreciate it, especially uh, on this newsmaking day. And uh, we appreciate you coming on. Thank you so very much. Thank you very much. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until... The Singapore presentation is at... <laughs> 3 a.m. The office was shocked. <laughs> That's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. <laughs> I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. You're listening to a bonus episode of Squawk Pod with Andrew Ross Sorkin, Becky Quick, and Joe Kernan. Robinhood returns to explain a few things. When we did that interview, uh, they were in the process, and I didn't know it, uh, of capitalizing. They are better capitalized this morning than they were uh, yesterday. One note about that capital raise. Uh, the venture capital uh, investors who had previously been in are the ones that have effectively re-upped, raising a billion dollars. This is Sequoia. This is Andreessen Horowitz. This is New Enterprise and so many others. Interestingly, uh, they have been guaranteed a discount in terms of how the valuation has been set, uh, about a 30 percent discount to what the IPO price may or may not be. So, of course, they would be forced to issue more shares depending on what the price is uh, come later this year if, in fact, they're able to pursue that IPO, which is 
the expectation. Uh, of course, big questions whether those venture capital investors are trying to protect their investment, uh, whether they really are confident, whether this is throwing good money after bad. I think there's lots of questions about what, the, what happens here, but also questions about um, these, these clearinghouses and the deposit requirements. Uh, part of the, the conundrum in this case was that there's a model that requires certain deposits to be made, but not just uh, a model. They can actually call up and say, look, we need, we need you to just send more money. And we just, we're, we're changing the rules right now. Yeah, and to some degree, uh, that is possibly what happened yesterday as well. And so I think there's going to be lots of debate um, uh, among regulators about what the right answers are here going forward. Hey, Andrew, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think Robinhood does not require a separate application for people to trade on margin, right? Like that, that, I think it's a little looser than some of the other platforms. Maybe I'm wrong on that. And, and, and then I guess my other question, you spoke with them before of this capital raise yesterday, but now if they've right. got another $1.5 or $1.6 billion between the capital raise and the credit lines they've drawn down from JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs and others, it, with that money, they're now saying they'll let people do some trading in some of these names but right. it, or some buying, some purchasing in some of these names. But I guess that, that leaves open the, the question that they're going to shut it down again if they feel like it's getting too far, if their capital is getting stretched too thin in some of these issues, right? There's no question. Uh, and I put that question to him, which is to say, you know, what would prevent this from happening again? Uh, clearly, at the time that we spoke, uh, they had drawn down those capital, those lines. I was up till, I don't know, midnight, 1230 last night, um, trying to report this story out. I would say around, around midnight is when the, the capital raise, the, the, the full billion dollars had been confirmed. Uh, they had been working, it was probably by eight o'clock, they had, had uh, about five, they, they had raised about the $500 million in capital. And I think they were waiting for confirmation from some of the other venture capital firms uh, about whether they were gonna uh, commit to, uh, to this money. It should put them in a, in a better position today. And to some degree, it is a, a sign of confidence, but it's obviously something you only do in a crisis. Um, and clearly, they were in one yesterday. And the question is, again, I think right now, the, the immediate question for this company is whether the customers stay or go. That, that's the question. Do, do they, do well, they I was flee say, like the, the uh, idea to, to, is to other platforms? They have so many problems that they're dealing with. The, the idea that your customers, are they going to stick around? Will they flee? And then the regulators, the idea that those were not the, the biggest problems they were facing yesterday is, is a little telling of, of the situation here. I mean, your, your first question is, well, the you first issue we, is liquidity, and you've got to make sure you've got enough, and then you can worry about whether your customers are going to stick around or if the regulators are going to shut you down. Well, what's so interesting, and you raised the point earlier, Joe raised the point earlier, I think there, there had been an expectation at the time you know, people thought that they had shut people down because they were trying to protect them. And then invariably, people thought that right. by protecting the customer, uh, the little guy, you were really protecting the hedge funds and the big guy. There was the view that maybe the SEC or another regulator had called them and told them to shut it down. That didn't happen either, interestingly uh, enough. Mm -hmm. Then there was, uh, you know, the speculation about whether uh, Citadel and some of the other firms that are around this and, and work clearly in partnership with Robinhood and have their own unique interests in all of this, whether they were putting pressure on Robinhood, they said no. It, in fact, was um, to some degree, and, and I'm always sort of loath to use the word, a liquidity crisis. 
Um, and the question is, was it actually a crisis or were they effectively trying to prevent a crisis? Maybe it's a semantics argument. I think they were very close to one. And that's why you saw them take the steps that they did. Andrew, do yeah. you feel like he talked, did he, in the interest of, of disclosure and everything else, did you talk enough about the liquidity problems with him last night about why they were in, obviously involved in, in the capital raise? We, we did. We actually asked the question twice. Um, and he specifically tried to push back on it again. I think to some degree you could you could argue it was a semantics argument. Did they actually have a crisis or were they trying to prevent a crisis? Right, exactly. In either case, they were close. His response to Dave Portnoy, uh, which is fascinating <laughs> unto itself, because uh, there was a lot going on online yesterday, uh, not just with Dave Portnoy going after Robin Hood, but going after Steve Cohen. I don't know if you saw that battle. Um, because Steve Cohen, 0.72, was supporting uh, Mervyn Capital and, and Gabe Plotkin. There's a big plot and conspiracy theory to all of this. Yeah, Portnoy is not slowing down. I saw him tweeting today uh, showing that Vlad was following Portnoy now and saying, I'm still coming for you. Now you can watch me do it. Thanks for checking out this bonus Squawk Pod. We are the daily podcast brought to you by the team behind CNBC's Squawk Box. You can catch the TV show weekday mornings at 6 Eastern. And for the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, subscribe to Squawk Pod, available for free wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.